Good morning. Do you happen to notice anything out front? Um, we uh, had the very uh, special blessing of having a, a number of our youth group participate in World Vision's 30-hour famine. Um, and I'm told it was about 40 students and leaders, and they uh, raised over $1,000 for World Vision to help people the, that are homeless and hungry. Uh, if you were involved in that, we can sort of tell by what you're wearing, but would you stand up so we can um, uh, thank you for your time doing that? All right. Uh, they slept in boxes, and they're here, and they have not eaten since 6 a.m. yesterday? All right. That counts, too. Um, so, yeah, so we're thankful for you guys. We also, if you see elders or deacons kind of dragging a little bit, we had our uh, annual uh, retreat, officer's retreat, which was on Friday night and then also all day uh, yesterday. So um, there's a lot of tired and hungry people. And the beautiful thing about that is we are all tired and hungry, uh, and, and we get to celebrate uh, the, the Lord's Supper, where Jesus feeds us. So we will do that. Turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 14, and we are going to look at verses 12 through 31. If you're using one of our Bibles, it's on page 1082, one of the big blue Bibles underneath the chair in front of you. Mark chapter 14, 12 through 31. Here now, God's holy and true word. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of that house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready there. Prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, it is one of the twelve, one who is dipping his bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had never been born. And as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. 
And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Our Father, we do thank you and we ask now that you would fill us with your spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear of the glory of our Lord Jesus. Help us to see the value, the importance, the critical nature of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And we just pray that you would use this time to transform us, to make us new, to equip us to take the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I read about a young minister who started at a small rural church. And um, after a couple weeks, he could tell that Everybody's mad at him. They just, you just feel something's, something's going on. And so he pulled one of the uh, lay leaders aside and he said, did I do something wrong? Is there, like, what's going on? I, I, I feel like people are mad at me. And he said, oh, well, that's because they are. And he said, oh, what's going on? What, what have I done wrong? And he said, well, you don't touch the radiator. When you're serving communion. And he said. I'm sorry what? And he said you don't touch the radiator. When you're serving communion like you're supposed to. And so he said. Okay. I'll touch the radiator. Uh, But then later he called. The old pastor. And he said. Pastor. um, um, Quick question. Uh, Everybody's upset with me. Because I'm not. Touching the radiator is, I mean, they, what, what's that all about? He's like, oh, yeah, I used to touch the radiator before I served the communion, so I didn't shock anybody. That's all that is. And so that's it. That's there, there, there you go. That's the simple thing. He, it had nothing to do with communion, nothing at all, but the church had begun to think this is an important thing. And so much so that when their new pastor did not touch the radiator, they're about to beat him up or something. Do we, do you really, do we really understand what the Lord's Supper is? Do we really, um, do we have questions about it? Are there things that we do that we think are actually very, 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 very important when it's really maybe more of just the way we do things? Those are good questions. Especially when we're looking at a passage in which Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And so, uh, we're gonna talk about this. It's, this morning will be a little different in the way that, um, We're going to look at the passage and I want to show some things about the passage, but then I also want to spend a good amount of time really looking at what communion is, what the Lord's Supper is. Okay, so we're really going to walk through some of that theologically and so we all have a a solid foundation. And here's my hope. My hope is, two hopes. One, I hope that this morning when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, it would be more meaningful than normal for many of us. Um, And then I also... Hope that going forward, the Lord's Supper would be more important in our lives and in our walk with Jesus than it is for uh, perhaps some of us. That's my hope. Okay, Um, because because the Lord's Supper is a vital part of a Christ centered 
grace-based relationship with God. Okay? This is, this is a big deal. And so I want to make sure we spend adequate time uh, fleshing out what it is and what it isn't. And so there we, that's our uh, aim for today. We are going to uh, talk about how the Lord's Supper is a vital part of a Christ-centered, grace-based relationship with God. We're going to do this in three things. Um, I want to talk about the Passover and the Lord's Supper because we see them celebrating the Passover meal and then Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. There's a reason that these things happen together. Uh, then we'll talk about who the Lord's Supper is for. All the different gospel authors that uh, talk about this night, uh, they, they, they talk about more or less, they, uh, they have different things, they have it from different perspectives. Marx is very short, and the way that he frames it really aims at helping us understand who the Lord's Supper is for. Uh, and so we'll talk about that briefly. And then we're going to spend a good amount of time um, uh, talking about how we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Uh, if you're worried, I am on a timer, I'm going to uh, be good. Like that. So we will finish uh, on time, Lord willing. Okay. So let's jump in. Ready? Uh, Bible's open. It'd be good for you to be looking at these things. Uh, let's look at verses 12 through 16. Um, talking about the Passover and the Lord's Supper. Notice verse 12. It's on the first day of the unleavened bread uh, when they sacrifice the Passover lamb. So what is happening is the disciples are uh, going to be meeting with Jesus for this celebration of this meal, the Passover. And what you see is they ask Jesus, where do you want us to do this? And he gives them instructions. He's arranged a place for them to do this. He tells them how to find that place. And then they go and it says in verse 16 that they went and prepared the Passover. What is the Passover? Uh, some of this will be a review for many of you. But if you don't understand this connection, um, hopefully you will uh, in the coming moments here. The Passover is one thing and then the celebration of Passover is another thing. What they're doing is they're celebrating something that happened long ago. In the book of Exodus, we see God delivering the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, from slavery to Pharaoh. If you're familiar with that story from the Bible, not the movie, um, if you're familiar with that story, you know that um, God used Moses, sent Moses to lead them out of slavery. He used the ten plagues to bring his judgment upon Egypt and Pharaoh in order to liberate uh, his people. And the tenth of the ten plagues was the um, one of the worst. It was the death of the firstborn son of all the families in Egypt and uh, animals as well. And so what God told his people was this. In Exodus 12, he says that I want you to take, I want each family to take a spotless, perfect lamb. And I want you to sacrifice it. I want you to kill it. And I want you to paint the blood on the door frames of your houses. And I want you to roast the body and eat it. And then I want you to be ready to go. Because it's going to be time. And you're going to get to leave in haste. And so he also said that what's going to happen is my judgment's going to come down upon Egypt. But when I see the blood of the lamb on your doors, my judgment will pass over your household. That they would be protected from the judgment of God by the blood of a lamb. And that they would be nourished for a journey by the body of a lamb, if this is already sounding pretty familiar, that's the point. 
So this is, that happened. They did this. They painted the blood of the lamb on their doors. They ate the lamb roasted. They, they got ready to go. And then the judgment came down, passing over all the houses of the Israelites and coming down on the people of Egypt. And that's where Pharaoh finally said they can go. And then there's the rest of the Exodus. You can read about that in the book of Exodus. But uh, basically, that was the event where the judgment upon Egypt was what caused the deliverance of God's people, judgment and salvation. Uh, depending on whether or not you are God's people or not. And so the Passover was that night. And then God also instructed his people to celebrate the Passover throughout all the generations. And so every year they would basically reenact uh, this to an extent. And they would have uh, the lamb and they would have wine and bread and they would have a, a whole ceremony. And basically the way that it was supposed to work is that when uh, children got old enough to uh, sort of see that this was a special night, they would ask what's different about this night. And then they would get to tell the story of when God delivered his people from slavery. And so that's what they're doing here. They're celebrating that God delivers his people from slavery. They're celebrating that through the blood, the body of a perfect lamb, God redeemed his people. And what's happening here in this moment is Jesus is saying that the Passover and all of the Passover celebrations throughout the generations have all been pointing to That he is the true Passover lamb. In fact, that's exactly what Paul calls him in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Because on the cross, Jesus is the true Passover lamb. His blood covers us from the judgment of God. His broken body in our place is what allows for you and I, by faith, to be fully reconciled, fully accepted, fully loved, fully cherished, fully receiving all the promises of God. So he is our True Passover lamb. And in the way, in the same way that they would celebrate the Passover by looking back to their deliverance from slavery in Egypt, the Lord's Supper is where we look back to the night when our Passover lamb, Christ, was sacrificed for us. So it is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Important in the life of God's church all through uh, the generations. Uh, Because of the broken body and spilled blood, God's judgment will pass over those who believe. That's what we believe. Okay? That's Passover. Now, who's this for? Um, Look at 17 through 21 and then 26 through 31. This is where we see another sandwich. Sorry, guys. I know you're hungry. Uh, But we see one of Mark's sandwich. It's a teaching tool that uh, he uses where he starts he has something and then there's something similar later and then what's in the middle is uh he helps us understand what's in the middle by those outside things and so take a look uh in 17 through 21 jesus is telling the disciples that he's going to be betrayed literally handed over to the authorities and they know that that means that he's going to die this creates a bunch of sorrow in their hearts wondering if it's them uh he explains that it is one of them and that uh, it's god's plan uh, and so he's, you know, he's talking about Judas. We know that. Um, and then uh, now move down to uh, 26 through 31. And that's where he is. Uh, they finish the meal. They're, they're, they've sung a hymn. They're out on the Mount of Olives. And he says that they're going to fall away. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. He's quoting from 
Zechariah there. And, uh, and he says, after I'm raised, I will go before you into Galilee. So Peter, classic Peter, um, overconfident Peter. And um, it, you see that he's throwing everybody under the bus here, right? Look what he says. Uh, he says, even though they fall away, I will not. Um, how confident we can be of our own abilities. Um, so Jesus says, no, Peter, truly, I tell you this very night, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter uh, has a hard time with that. And all the other disciples chime in. And they say, yeah, we won't, we won't do that either. Now, we know actually what happened. We know that Judas did indeed betray Jesus. And we also know that all of the disciples did indeed run away. They abandoned him. And so really what Mark is showing us here is that who is the Lord's Supper for? It's for unworthy yet repentant sinners. That none of us deserve to be at this table. None of us deserve to even know Jesus. We don't deserve our salvation. We haven't earned anything. We are like the traitors and cowards that were at the Lord's Supper. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper among traitors and cowards. And that's what we have to understand. That you, it's not about earning. This is not a, about merit. It's about grace. That God freely blesses us and gives us uh, his love as well as the Lord's Supper. It's not about merit. It's about grace. Now, here's what we know. We know that Jesus says in this passage that he says, after I'm raised up. So he talks about the resurrection. And then he says, I'll go before you and I'll meet you in Galilee. So who goes to meet him in Galilee? Not Judas. There was no repentance there. But the rest of them. They did, and that's why we still this day, we're celebrating the Lord's Supper because they all repented. They recognized that they didn't deserve what Jesus had done for them, but they went to him trusting in his mercy, in repentance and in faith, just like we do. So that's who this is for. Uh, It is not for people who have earned anything. It is for people who have not. Okay? You want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. Okay, here's what we want to do now. I want to talk about how to celebrate it. I'm going to be drawing very heavily from the Westminster Larger Catechism. So if you know that really well, this will be a review. If you don't, uh, here's some really unbelievable, fantastic, life-changing, powerful information about what this is. Okay? Uh, First stuff is just some uh, uh, helpful information for you. The Lord's Supper, we call it a sacrament. A sacrament is a special ordinance that Jesus has instructed his people to do. Okay? And there's two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, the Lord's Supper is a sacrament. The word sacrament is from the Latin sacramentum, which means solemn oath. Which is good because it has to do with God's solemn oath, his promises to us. Uh, the word sacramentum was the way they translated the Greek word mysterion, which means mystery. Which is good because there is mystery involved in how this works. Okay. And basically that mystery requires us to approach this meal and engage in this meal and receive this meal uh, by faith. So that are some some basic information on uh, why we call it a sacrament. Now let's talk about the primary purposes. Primary purposes. Uh, The number one purpose is to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In 1 Corinthians 11, 26, that's what Paul says when he's instructing us on uh, having the Lord's Supper. He's telling us this proclaims the Lord's death. It proclaims the Lord's death to us. And it also proclaims the Lord's death to the watching world. That's why we have public worship. We want the world to watch us celebrate the Lord's Supper. 
Communion Sundays would be the best Sundays to invite your non-believing friends, co-workers, classmates, and whatnot, because it's, it's good for them to see us proclaim the Lord's death through this uh, sacrament. It is number two, to provide spiritual nourishment and growth in grace. And when we see Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper, we, it helps us see something about the elements. And the fact that he is physically in heaven, uh, we know that he is spiritually present with us here now through the Holy Spirit. And that's what's happening here. Uh, you're never going to have a full stomach after the little piece of bread and the little wine. It's not supposed to be a physical nourishment. This is a spiritual nourishment. It helps us to grow in grace, in our understanding of grace, as well as our application of grace. And the elements themselves, you know, there are different views. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that uh, the the elements uh, transform from bread and wine into Jesus' actual body and actual blood. We don't have time to get into that too much, but the Bible doesn't teach that. Um, the Lutheran view is that the uh, elements stay bread and wine, but Jesus' body is physically in, with, and under the elements. Okay, that's closer, but I don't think the Bible teaches that either. Then there's the, swing, the Zwinglian view, and he says there's really nothing going on here. It's just something that you use to remember Christ, and I don't think the Bible warrants that. What I think we see in the scriptures is that uh, what's called the, the reformed view. We are a reformed church that that Christ is spiritually present with us. When he said, this is my body and this is my blood, he's saying these things represent or even they mean me. That he's giving himself to us. And so when we are uh, partaking in the Lord's Supper now, he's spiritually present with us. OK, and so we feed on that. We feed on him, even if you can't feel it. Like we could all go to Subway and eat fresh and everything, and you're gonna like you're gonna feel that, right? You don't need it faith to know that you ate a, a sub. But you do need faith to believe that whatever you're feeling physically, God is feeding you, Christ is feeding you, you're at his table. And it's happening spiritually. Uh, to confirm our union and communion with Christ. Um, this is huge. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16, Paul says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not our participation in the blood of Christ? The, the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Okay, We're confirming the fact that Christ has united himself to us. And therefore, we have communion with him. We have a relationship with him. So we're going to want to be thinking about certain things and doing certain things, uh, having our minds on certain things when we take the Lord's Supper to strengthen that relationship. If you sat down to lunch with somebody that's your friend and you spend the whole time on your Facebook, you're not going to really commune with them. You're not really going to have fellowship with them. So it's really important that our minds are on the right things. And we'll talk about those. Uh, to renew our um, thankfulness. To renew our thankfulness, uh, we see uh, all the different places where the Lord's Supper is either uh, uh, described when it happened or Paul's instructions. There is clearly uh, that we are to be giving thanks uh, to renew our engagement to be the Lord's. This is what this is another purpose that uh, in First Corinthians ten twenty one, Paul says, "You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. The Lord's Supper is where we say, Who do I belong to?" I don't belong to the devil and his demons. I belong to the king. I'm engaged to be with him physically in the new heavens and new earth forever. 
And so that's something that we think about as well. Uh, to renew our mutual love and fellowship with one another. In 1 Corinthians 10, 17, Paul says, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. What that means is that uh, the Lord's Supper is not uh, you and Jesus' time. It's us and Jesus' time. I love that. I need to hear that. And so do you. That it's a part, it's, it's where we recognize that we are one body. There's one bread. We are one body. There's a oneness that we need to celebrate. Not only our engagement to be the Lord's, but our fellowship with uh, one another. Proper administration. We're going to cruise through this because clock's ticking. Um, we do it right. Short answer. Okay. Um, we, uh, we set apart the elements by the words of institution with thanksgiving and prayer. Because we're basically reenacting in some respects, uh, for the most part, what Jesus did. In the same way that the Passover celebration was basically a reenactment of the Passover, the Lord's Supper is a reenactment of the Last Supper. And a picture, obviously, of the cross. We break the bread, we give the wine. Okay, that is all because the scripture teaches that. There's not details in scripture on on what color the communion trays are supposed to be and uh, how big the cup is supposed to be. That's all open for preference. Okay, proper um, participation. Number one, observe the elements. Um, Again, this is really coming right out of the larger catechism. Such a wealth of beautiful theology that it will help us uh, enjoy this and be transformed by this more. Uh, Observe the elements. In Exodus 24, Moses says, behold the blood of the covenant. The word means look at it. When you take communion, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, we should be looking at the bread and the wine. We should, so we see it, we hear the words of institution, we touch, we smell, we taste. This meal is amazing because it engages our, our whole bodies, all of our senses. Use them all. I want to challenge you to use all your senses when we take the Lord's Supper. Um, affectionately meditate on Jesus' suffering and death. That's what was on their mind, that Jesus is the Passover lamb. So they're thinking about his death. We should be thinking about his death. Minds fixated on what he has done for us. Feel sorrow for sin in Zechariah 12.10. It says, when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him. And it's that picture that we should mourn when we look on the one whom we pierced, whom was pierced for our sake. Uh, we can mourn for our sin that put him there, But also recognizing that we want to hunger and thirst for his return. Revelation 22, it says, come. That's what we're waiting for. The Bible ends by saying, come. We want him to come. We want him to return. He says he will in this passage. He says, I will not drink wine again until I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when we're having communion, we should be longing for him to come and finish the work that he started in us and finish the complete redemption and restoration of the world and make all things new. We should be longing for that. Feed on Jesus by faith. In John 6, uh, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. And what he's saying is if we believe this, if we will by faith believe that he is feeding us, it makes a difference. It works in us, on us. Okay? By faith. Trust in his merit. Paul in Philippians 3 says that he wants to be found not having a righteousness of his own, but the one that comes uh, through faith in Christ. And so this is a great time to reaffirm that I don't trust in what I've done. I trust in what Christ has done on my behalf to rejoice in his love. You know, I mean, we all love to be told that we're loved. We had this really hard, long day, good day, 
as elders and deacons. And at the end of the day, one of the deacons or one of the elders came up to me and he said, I know today was hard. I just want to tell you that I love you and I'm glad you're my pastor. And I don't know if he noticed, but I was like, I was like trying to look elsewhere. (laughs) Just didn't want him to see that I was. Well, he should have seen it and you should know it, brother. Thank you. We all want to know that we're loved. And this is where Jesus is saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. So we should rejoice in that. Give him thanks. Uh, renew our commitment to God. This is a way that we don't, it's not, we're not, we're not just remembering what he's done and, and remembering that we're sinners and that he's paid for that, but also that we would say, because of what you've done, I want to live for you. I want to live my life for you. This is a, a fantastic place for you and I to renew our commitment to God. And then, of course, as well, our commitment to one another. We see in Acts 2 that they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread and the fellowship and the prayers. And, you know, they're, I mean, and then they're sharing things. I mean, it's just this beautiful commitment to one another. And so we should be renewing our commitment to him and therefore also our commitment to one another. And I believe that if we will do these things, I think the Lord's Supper will be elevated in, in importance in our lives, as I believe it should be. Okay. Um, so now we're going to do this. Here's the whole list. Um, and what we're going to do is Jack is going to come up here and he's going to play music. Um, and, um, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper like we always do, but I'm going to leave this up there for the first song. And what I want you to do is to be thinking about these things, focusing on his death, feeling the elements, feel the sorrow for your sin. Just, just walk right through it. If the Lord's Supper is never a big deal to you, it's because Maybe you didn't know all this wonderful things or maybe we, uh, you're, you're allowing your mind to wander. It's just you're, you're not putting much into it and you're not getting much out of it. When we put in these things, it makes all the difference. So you ready? All right, Jack. And Jack, I'm going to call an audible. Will you not sing? We're just going to do uh, instrumental. All right. So as we've already said, the Lord's Supper is a sacrament instituted by Christ. It is a very special time in which we celebrate what Christ has done on the cross. The bread that we break means the participation that we have in his body. And the wine that we drink means, represents, but it means our participation in His blood that was spilled so God's judgment will pass over us. It anticipates the day when we will drink that wine with him. That he said he won't drink again until he is in the new heavens and new earth. Until he's in the kingdom. Fully here with us. So we will look forward to that. Um, We have said it's it's for repentant sinners. And so if you're not a believer, we would ask that you do not participate. Uh, Take this time to to think about what he's done. And that is for you if you'll receive it by faith. If you are a believer but you're living in unrepentant sin, this would be a time to repent. 
turn away. Look at him. Look what he's done. And let that empower you to turn away from that. If you can't repent of what you're doing, then let the elements pass you by. We have gluten-free bread if you need that. Raise your hand when the time comes. We have red wine and white grape juice for your preference. Red wine, white grape juice. We'll distribute the elements and you can um, wait till we've all been served and we'll partake together. Okay, let me pray. Father, we thank you. And uh, for those of us realizing that this is so much more than we realized and this, is, this meal is so much more special and uh, meant to be powerful in our lives. We, we repent together and we ask for your mercy that you would help us to see this as, as the special meal that it is. We pray that you would bless this bread and this wine, which is just ordinary common bread and common wine, but we ask that you would set it apart. Lord Jesus, we want to commune with you We know that you are here with us now. Help us to feel your presence, our union with you and our fellowship with you. We pray these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.